Happy Father's Day. You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today I'm excited to share a Father's Day message with you from 1 Kings chapter 2. It's the story of a dying King David speaking to his son, the would-be King Solomon. Instructions how he was to honor his father in the days ahead. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. ask you this morning to please turn in your Bibles, find the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 2. This falls on a really good Sunday as we just finished going through the whole book of Colossians, and we're about to begin a new series of the book of Esther that I'm just super excited about. So in between the two comes Father's Day. I love Father's Day, not just because I am a father, just because it's a, it's a time when we get to celebrate our fathers. And as a pastor, as a student of the Bible, you should know that this whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, this whole Bible is really a Father's Day story. It's the story of a heavenly father who loves his children, whether rich or poor, whether black or white, white good or bad, whatever you may say that loves His children so much. In fact, His love for us exceeds any love we can even imagine. It's a great, great Sunday to get to share God's love as a pastor. And now, having been a dad, I can tell you it's hard being a father. As a matter of fact, one of the things that's hard about being a father is that there's never, ever been a standard of a perfect mother. You're not going to find that reading the Bible. But there is a standard of a perfect father. You see, fathers are so very important to us. They, they always have been and they always will be. I believe when I look at our society today, it's ingrained in us a desire. In our very DNA, there is a desire to have a relationship with a father. For we need direction. We need identity. We need wisdom. We need love, and we need a special love that can only come from a father. That is why, church, I believe, that is why this day comes with so many emotions. Some of you here today are blessed like me. Some of you are able to come to church today with your father. And if that's the case, man, that is so wonderful. You're so blessed. But some of you in here today... Or maybe not in here today. Some of you don't know this type of love. Some of you didn't have a father present growing up. This could be for, for many reasons. It could be that your father didn't stick around. He could have left. Or it could have been like at my last church. Or one of our, our senior deacons, his father died when he was but a child. And he has no recollection of that. It stays hard for him. Because he so desperately wanted a father in his life. And he had to rely on men from the church to be that father figure. Or, you could be like my mother this Father's Day. This Father's Day, my mother is spending it for the first time where she cannot call her dad. As most of you know, my grandfather passed away this last February. And for our whole lives, he was on my list. He was one I would call until Happy Father's Day. And my mom's having to deal with that. And maybe that's your case today too. And it's hard dealing with these emotions. Let me go back and tell you, I'm so blessed, and it hurts to say goodbye to my grandfather, but I'm so blessed that he knew Jesus as his Savior. I'm so blessed that he was older in life whenever he went 
to see his Savior. And I'm so blessed that I got to go and I got to sit with him on the last bed he would ever lay on. And he was able to tell me he loved me. He was able to see my children, uh, my, my wife and all of his children. And if you've never experienced that, church, let me tell you, chances are one day you will. You'll be at the, the bedside of somebody you love, and maybe, just maybe, one day, somebody will be at your bedside. And when we come to the end of life, what happens is we start making end-of-life plans. We start telling our children, maybe even our grandchildren, we start telling them our wishes for them and what we want to happen. Well, my grandfather did that. And my mom took a page for that after all that's occurred. My mom's already got the bowl rolling and she's already contacted pastors for who she wants to do her funeral and stuff like that. I wanted to share that because that goes along with the story that I'm going to read today. In 1 Kings chapter 2. And it's the picture of your screen. It's the best picture I could find. King David, one of Israel's greatest kings arguably the greatest king Israel's had besides Jesus. He is about to die. And King David knows that he is about to die. And, and King David, he's got other children, but he calls in Solomon. And Solomon is, is, is by him. I assume he's on the bed. And he gives him some instructions. In the first four verses, he gives him a generic instruction that I'm going to focus on this morning. And in the last, and from verses 5 to verses 10, he gives them specific instructions. But this morning, I want to focus on these first four verses. So if you found it, it's in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is what the Word of God says. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon... His son saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And then he goes on to get, give Solomon specific requests regarding specific people. And you can read that. That's some pretty interesting stuff. And Solomon was obedient to that. But I want to focus on what we can all apply today. What I believe David's, I know it was David's dying wish, but what I believe is probably David's greatest wish for his son, his heir, King Solomon. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, when, Saul see, or when uh, Samuel sees King David, and in Acts 13, David, the king of Israel, was identified as a man after God's own heart. He's a good man. He's a, he's, he's a hard man to live up to. And we're commanded to, to honor our fathers and our mothers. And I think we get a good blueprint here in this of how to do that. But before we really dig into this passage, I want to share with you just a couple of truths, a couple of overarching truths. One that I didn't write. Hopefully you've realized this this morning. One is the certainty of death. Church, let me just tell you, I did not know last Father's Day would be the last Father's Day that I got to call my grandfather and tell him Happy Father's Day and how much he meant to me. 
Same with Miss Nita. Same with my mother. They did not know that last Father's Day would be the last Father's Day they got to speak to their father. And I believe my grandfather, he knew death was approaching, but he didn't know last Father's Day would be his last Father's Day. So I just want to begin this morning by telling you that tomorrow is not guaranteed, but death is. Flying or dying, we're going home. You're not going to have forever. So if you've got a decision that you're, you're tinkering on making, you better not wait to make that decision. You better make it while you can. If you've got somebody you need to be reconciled with, if you've got somebody you need to tell you love, if you've got somebody you need to share Jesus with, you better do it because death is certain. David realized this. But here's the two overarching truths that I wrote for you to remember this morning. This was a command for Solomon to honor his father after he had died. Sometimes we get the idea, well, honor your mother and father. We do that till mom and dad have died. But this story shows us that David expected Solomon to listen to him after he went away of all the earth. The command to honor our parents, the command to honor our fathers does not end after they pass away. If you're here this morning and your dad died a dozen years ago, guess what? You can still honor him today and you should still honor him today. And even if you're on your deathbed, even if you're at the very end of this life like David was, you're still to honor your parents. They need not be alive for you to honor them. That's the first big truth. And here's the second thing. That no father is perfect. No father is perfect. Even David, the man after God's own heart. Like I said, David was called a man after God's own heart. David was a great man. He was a great king. He's revered in all of Israel, even to this day. David, this is the man that, that as a teenager took out a stone and he faced Goliath when nobody else would. He's the one that wrote most of the Psalms. Man, David did some great, great things. But let me tell you something. David had his sin issues too, church. David committed blatant, blatant adultery. Some even call it rape with Bathsheba. Solomon's mother. David conspired to commit murder. And Solomon, as a result of all that, Solomon actually lost a brother because of his father's sin. I think that's really important when we read a story like this to realize that because I want you to know the church, if you're holding a grudge against your dad, and there's a very real chance you might be because many people have been grievously harmed by their father's sins. Or maybe it's somebody else. Maybe this Father's Day. Maybe it's time to let go. Listen to me, church. Every father, every son, every mother, every daughter, every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm just going to tell you, church, you cannot honor your parents holding a grudge over their imperfections. For Solomon to listen to anything else, he had to let go of the past. And I want you to know, when I look at this story, I'm reminded that sometimes the hardest people to forgive are the ones that are closest to us. How many of you know that to be true? It's easy to forgive a stranger that you'll never see again, but, but the ones that have spent so much time with you, the ones that you've invested in, or maybe the dad that should have loved you unlike anybody else, it's hard to let go of that grudge and that bitterness. One pastor put it this way, Holding on to resentment, holding on to a grudge, 
Holding on to that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Realize this morning that no dad is perfect. I plead with you, let it go today if you're holding on to that. But now let's look at the specific text. As far as I can see when I read in verses 2 and 3, I see seven specific instructions that David gave Solomon. Seven specific instructions how he was to honor his father after he passed. And seven instructions that we can all do going forward to honor both our earthly fathers and our heavenly fathers. Right at the beginning in verse 2, David acknowledges, I'm going the way of all the earth. I'm going to die. And this is what David tells Solomon. Be strong. Be strong, Solomon. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. You read the Bible, you're going to find this repeated over and over again. To be strong and be courageous. God told Moses this. God told Joshua this. Be strong and be courageous. Let me tell you, church, your Christian life will be stunted if you constantly walk in fear and act as a coward. Oh, I don't want to be a cowardly Christian. I don't want to be cowardly for, for a, a heavenly father that's done so much for me. I don't want to cower down and do so little for him. So dads and Christians alike, I charge you like David charged Solomon. Be strong. Prove yourself a man. Prove yourself a child of God. Be strong in the face of adversity. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid of what tomorrow may hold. Have the attitude. Have the attitude of Joshua. In Joshua 24, he told the Israelites, you guys, you go out and serve whoever you want to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, I'm so glad I have a father like that. That's the kind of dad I want to be. And that's the kind of man and the kind of woman I want my children to be. I want them to be strong and courageous. Have the courage to stand for what's right. Have the courage to stand against what is wrong. Remember who is in control. Church, let me tell you, strength comes from knowing who is in charge. And let me just tell you, the person in charge doesn't live in Baton Rouge or 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The person in charge is on the throne and we look at him and we find all the strength and all the courage we need to stand against the lies of this world. Be strong. David told Solomon, be strong, God told Moses, be strong, God told Joshua, be strong, God is telling us today. But he didn't stop there in verse 3. In verse 3, David told Solomon, he says, keep the charge of the Lord your God. It's on your screen this morning. And I just want to tell you, if you're the kind of person that writes or underlines in your Bible or takes notes, if I was going to underline or circle something, I would circle that little personal pronoun, your. In Hebrew, that personal pronoun is pronounced atah. It's personal. That means Solomon was to keep the charge of the Lord his God. It's very interesting to me that, that King David, this is a man who had political power. This is a man who no doubt gave speeches. He thought about his words. And it's very interesting to me that David looked at Solomon and he didn't tell Solomon, listen, Solomon, you listen to my God. 
He didn't say, Solomon, listen to the God of your fathers. Listen to, to the God of Moses. Listen to the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. Listen to the God of, keep the charge of the, the God of Joshua. No, David didn't do that. David said, listen, you keep the charge of the Lord your God. Church, we're called to have a personal relationship with God Almighty. You see, it's one thing to know about God. It's something else to know Him personally. Oh, I want to encourage you this morning to be sure, to be absolutely, absolutely sure that the God of David, the God of Solomon, the God of the New Testament, Paul and, and Peter, be sure that He's not just the God of your fathers. Make sure He's yours. It's so sad today. So many people come to church. So many people read the Bible. So many historians know all about God. They know about the Trinity. They know about Jesus. But they only know about Him. They don't know Him personally. Church, let me tell you, I believe when I read this, I believe David wanted to be sure that Solomon knew that God was his and he was God's. And I want that for you as well. Be sure that you know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. Well, how do I know that I know Him personally? I can tell you in my own life, the, the personal evidences I've seen is I've got new emotions I didn't have before. Now I long to be with God's people on God's day. Now I, I get emotional when I see a brother or sister in Christ hurting. I get emotional when I see the household of God grow. I'm telling you, I know that I'm His and I know that, that He is mine. He's not just David's God. He's my God. He should be yours too. Verse 3, he goes on. He says to walk in his ways. Number 3, walk in his ways. We're called to do more than just talk the talk. We're called to walk the walk. David wanted Solomon to walk the walk. He says, Solomon, you need to walk in his ways. You know, there's a lot of people today that put on a good show. And I'm going to tell you, church, you can do a good job. You can fool Brother Kevin pretty easily. When I read this, I go back to my thoughts in high school. In high school, we had an event in town in, in Winsboro, if you didn't know, was the Stars and Stripes capital, Stars and Stripes capital of, of uh, Louisiana, really the whole nation. We got the largest American flag in the whole United States. And I think it was part of that ceremony. Some kids got together and they sung a praise band. They got a praise band together and they sung Christian songs. And one of my friends got up there and he gave a testimony about how great Jesus was and all this stuff. And he talked a great talk. But after he got done his speech and after he got done singing his song, he got what back and he went back to high school where he was an open atheist denying everything he just talked about. Let me tell you, church, you can't, you can't fool God. You need to do more than talk the talk. We're to walk the walk. How did Jesus walk? Jesus talked in a lot of this stuff, but when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus, He walked in love. We see that He walked in forgiveness. We see that Jesus walked in wisdom. He walked in understanding. He walked knowing that there was a bigger picture that the rest of us could not see, walking even to the old rugged cross to give His life for you and for me. Oh, church, I, I pray today that you'll walk the walk and not just talk the talk. 
Fourth thing he was called to do. He says to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes. These next few things, it's going to seem a little repetitive, but once again, I believe every word in this is important. Keep his statutes. And you look this up, I think in other words, is to keep his decree, God's decree, or his covenant. See, our God is a covenant God. Over and over again in the Old Testament, you see God making a covenant, a contractional binding, if you will, between God and Israel. And I want to tell you, church, accepting Jesus as your Savior, that means that you enter into a covenant relationship with Him. And God doesn't break His covenant. When He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, He means it. When He says that that my peace I will give you, He means it. But on our end of the deal, accepting Jesus as your Savior, that means you enter into a statute with Him, a covenant with Him, to follow Him wherever He goes, to take up your cross and follow Him wherever He leads, we pledge to go. It means giving to, supporting, serving, and being part of His church, the body, and the body of Christ. It means putting on the whole armor of God and being a warrior for Jesus Christ. Oh, David wanted to remind Solomon that, hey, if you do this, if you walk in his ways, you keep his statue, you keep his covenant. It's going to bless you, Solomon. I'm telling you, it's the same for us. Keep his statutes, church. He also says his commandments. Keep his commandments. That's number five. And let me just tell you, church, a lot of us fall short in this. Because you cannot know God's commandments if you don't know them. So let His Word be your God. Solomon was to keep God's commandments. And the only way that you would know God's commandments is they're written somewhere, passed down from generation to generation. Let God's Word be your God's. Keep His commandments. Once again, words are important. David didn't say, you keep my rules, you keep all this that I've written for Israel, you do things my way. No, he says, you keep His commandments, capital H. You keep God's commandments. Not dads, not moms, not the pastors. God Almighty. Let me tell you, His ways are higher than our ways. And we don't get to edit His Word for our personal benefit. That's something that still has not changed. We may be thousands of years since this was written, but God's Word is still inerrant, it's still inspired, and it's still true. We don't get to change His commandments because culture has changed. We keep them. He has final say-so. Number six, as we walk through it, His commandments, His judgments, or rules, I would say. Keep His judgments. What's the difference between commandments and judgments? Well, I would put it this way. Judgments, another rule for judgments would be rules. And I would put it this way. You know, it may surprise you to say this, but this Bible's got a lot of great stuff in it. It's got all kinds of great stuff about marriage in it. It's got stuff about salvation in it. It's got stuff about Jesus coming back. But you know what? All rules are not necessarily written in this Bible. Let me give you an example. If you come to me and you want me to tell you why pornography is wrong, I can't look in this Bible and show you where it says, Thou shalt not view pornography. 
I can't show you where it says thou shalt not go to a rated R movie. I can't show you where it says thou shalt not uh, take crystal meth or you shouldn't do uh, over-the-counter drugs in excess. There's some stuff that's just not written in here because of the time in which it was written. But having God's Holy Spirit, having a personal relationship with God, we know God's judgments. We know His rules. We know when He looks down at the things of this world, we know what He thinks by looking at God's Holy Word, by having a relationship with Him. We know where to remain pure. We know where to remain holy. We know where to exercise ourselves to be godly. I ask you today, church, be filled with God's Holy Spirit and you'll be filled with a thirst to be holy. Let the Holy Spirit be your God going forward. So many of us today, we get into a position and it's a horrible place to be and I don't even know why we do it. We try to fight the Holy Spirit. Well, though, I, I think it's okay. I want to do this. Let me get on YouTube and let me find out why it's okay. We fight God's Holy Spirit when we should embrace it. Just a little while, we'll have an invitation. And I guarantee you, like every Sunday, the thought is maybe next Sunday, maybe next week, maybe next Father's Day. I got to go out with Dad to eat and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm thinking about me. And we fight God's Holy Spirit when we should be embracing it in His work. And church, I just want to tell you, it's so good to have God's Holy Spirit. One of the, I think it's the best gift God's given us that we don't have to walk this walk alone. The last thing that David says to Solomon in this little passage is that to keep his testimonies, his judgments and his testimonies, keep his testimonies. Aside from reading about covenants and reading about commandments, and to read about being strong and courageous. This is something else that comes up in Old Testament a lot. It's testimonies. When Joshua uh, de- defeated the people, he made an altar to remember. When he crossed the river, he made the memorial stones to remember. The Passover was celebrated to remember. We did the Lord's Supper, and we'll do it, I think, next month to remember. And in this, I believe David's telling Solomon, you keep his testimonies because he wasn't to forget what God had done for his people. Church, I just want to tell you, don't you forget. Don't you ever forget what God has done. If all Christ has ever done was to die on an old rugged cross, it was enough. Don't you forget this Father's Day this Lord's Day, or any day you live, the work that God has done on your behalf. Leaving a perfect heaven, coming to a horrible world at a horrible place in history. You know, Jeremiah was confused watching his favorite movie the other, the other day about Indiana Jones. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't Jesus have a gold cup? He was a king. And I said, son, why would Jesus be born in a manger if he was a king? Why would Jesus die on a cross if he was a king? And the only answer is this. It's the Father's love for his children. Oh, church, I'm so happy if you've got a dad that loves you. 
But I'm telling you, even the, the greatest dad in the world, and I've got a good one, even his love pales in comparison to the love of God Almighty who would look down on us and all of our sin and come down to give his life for you and me that we may be part of the household of God. thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood the message. I hope you know a way that you can apply it into your life. I hope that you'll keep the charge of the Lord your God, that you'll walk in his ways, keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. And I hope that you'll prosper in all you do and wherever you turn. Next week, I'm excited to begin a new sermon series on the book of Esther. It's called Silent Sovereignty. I hope you'll come join us for that. We meet every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m., Sunday school at 8.50. Great things are happening right here in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Have a great week.